The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Good morning. Uh, Today I am recording earlier in the day because uh, my kids are basically doing online school three days a week, and then they go to physical school two days a week. So that means I'm on detail as homeschooly type mom later. I kind of wish I was just homeschooling them, but uh, they really wanted to be around their peers as much as they could, considering the circumstances. And, you know, I get that. I miss hanging out with people, too. And, you know, they're wearing masks. They're being very careful. Uh, So that means I get to be with you first thing in my morning now that we've made that adjustment. And I guess I'll be trying to write, get my couple thousand words in later. Uh as the time magically opens up. (laughs) You know, we're all working on uh, trying to create a new normal in the world that we're living in right now due to COVID-19. And that leads me to want to discuss something that I find to be an underrated superpower for writers, and that's the skill of listening. So today we're going to talk about what listening looks like in real life, and how we can use those skills of being able to listen to someone and actually understand what they're saying and how they're feeling to be a better writer. And we're also going to use that uh, to apply to our actual writing in that we can create characters that are really good at listening. And we can also show characters who are pretty horrible at listening. So uh, that's that's the topic for today. And I originally thought of this topic because I'm learning how to write uh, copy for advertising and also how to be able to function on a sales call, not because I've gotten some new job, but because I need to be able to do these things to maintain my own editing co-op. So I need to be able to interact with clients in a way that allows me to understand what their needs are. And so this is a really practical skill that you can use in basically any business. And the stuff that I'm going to share is not new, and I'm sure you could listen to it on a multitude of different podcasts, but I'm going to put it in the context of writing, as I often do. So let's go ahead and get started. When we listen to other people who have a different perspective, we learn new things, and we can transfer that new information into deeper and more representative language. But the thing is, we have to think about the how. How do I set myself up to listen uh, when I'm not sure what the other person's going to say, and I want to be able to leverage their words and thoughts and feelings 
into a deeper understanding of that person, which gives me a broader understanding of how the world works as a whole and turn that into expensive words. And I don't mean leverage in a bad way. And I think a lot of times when we use these uh, business type words, they kind of have a dirty connotation to them. And it doesn't need to be that way because the skills that we use in order to create a successful business, of course, they can be misused and uh, misappropriated, but we don't have to use them that way. And when we take something that's valuable and we turn it into something even more valuable, you know, that's leveraging and that's okay and that's good. So, oh, sorry, my stomach is growling a little bit. Uh, Like I said, it's early in the morning. (laughs) So it's one of those things that you can do that doesn't really cost you anything except for time. And we've discussed uh, how time is our only unrenewable resource. But in this case, it's time well invested because it creates um, a more complicated narrative in our mind of the way that the world works. And it gives us the roots that we need for empathy and compassion Uh, which make us into better human beings. So if you can learn to listen to someone who you absolutely don't agree with at all, that's still a really useful skill. And I feel like it's kind of a lost art. And that's something that people are not uh, striving to be able to do in present day society. And it's causing a lot of grief. It's causing a lot of difficulties. And of course, in the U.S., we're, we're in an election year, which is always kind of like a dumpster fire, in my opinion. I just would rather hibernate through it and then come back out of it, but I can't do that because that's not the responsible thing to do. Uh, But I do try to distance myself from the constant ad campaign situation. And I, you know, I'm not trying to tell anybody how to vote. I just want them to think about who they're voting for and so I'll, I'll talk to someone and be like, well, have you thought about this? And they're like, well, who do you think I should vote for then? And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to tell you who you should vote for, but you should definitely vote. And you need to think about more than one issue when you're voting. And I think that that's a fair thing to bring up to someone uh, who seems fixated on one aspect of this pretty complicated situation that we find ourselves in as Americans. And if you're listening in another country, I... I'm happy for you that you're not <laughs> that you're not going through this right now. Uh, but the thing is, you know, even in non-election years, I feel like Americans have kind of adopted this attitude of if you don't agree with me, then I don't have to value your opinion and I don't have to listen to you. And I really think that that's causing a lot of the issues that we're having with each other. And it's just a huge disservice also to our children because we're not teaching them that listening and learning about other people is important. Today, uh, you know, we're looking at how to transfer information into our brains and then use that information to create more representative language. We're doing that for ourselves, right, because we want to grow as people. But also, we need to think about how can we transfer that into writing when we want to create this uh, environment for our character to where they can learn and become more representative uh, in their own little world that we've made. Because writers, we world build, and storytellers, we create worlds for our characters to interact with. In sales, and this is 
uh, actually opposite of what I was taught in school. In sales, they teach you that you shouldn't uh, have a bunch of positive reinforcement while the other person is talking. I was taught that you should nod and smile and maybe say, mm-hmm. But that can actually be distracting for the person who is speaking. So the way that you can show the other person that you're listening then is to kind of uh, capture like the main ideas that they're telling you and then be able to give them a kind of tellback. And a tellback is a tool that when you're reading, when, you're, when I was working with kids uh, as a reading teacher, we would go through a section and I would have them do a tellback so I could ascertain how much of the passage that they comprehended. And all they would have to do is tell me what happened in the story. And so you can look at it this way. If you look at, the, if you look at things this way, I promise you won't get bored listening to someone. If you understand that what the other person is doing is actually telling you a story. And what you need to do then is just be quiet, which is, if you're like me, that's really hard. Because like I said, I was trained to nod and make noises and uh, make direct eye contact and smile. And first of all, smiling is not always appropriate. If someone is telling you something difficult, then you don't want to smile at them. They're going to think you're a psycho and that you're not hearing what they're saying. So you listen and you just be completely quiet. Even to the point where, like, if you're on the phone, they would be like, are you still listening? And you're like, yep, I'm still here. I am still listening to you. Uh, and then afterwards, you say, okay, all right, Jeannie, what I'm hearing is that you went through a really difficult time and that you learned this, this, and this, and that the things that you want to uh, have other people understand going forth is that this is really difficult for families and especially for the children in the families and that they need extra support or whatever else, you know, she said to me. And so I'm giving her the space to talk, and I'm giving her the tellback at the end, which not only shows her that I've been listening, but it helps me remember it, because uh, speaking that information myself is a trick for memory retention, so you can understand better. And if you're talking to uh, someone that you're interviewing for a book or a client, you always want to take notes, and that's allowed, right? You you can listen and take notes, but just don't get uh, super sucked into making sure that you get down every single word. I sometimes do that because I'm a copious note taker. I color code my notes, which is uh, maybe a little bit, some people think that's a little bit crazy, but I just feel more comfortable be, knowing, okay, all the definitions are in blue. All You know, I just want to be able to look back at my notes later and not have to spend a lot of time reading every single word. And so uh, if you haven't tried do, uh, color coding your notes, I would highly recommend it. So you're basically, for me, that would be all three things of retention to where I would be able to remember the story very clearly later is that I've listened to it. I've written down physical notes and I've told the person back what they're sharing with me. Uh, those That's how I study, actually, when I'm learning something new. So listening is a tool for learning, but it's also a tool for developing better stories. So one of the things that, uh, one of the many book projects that I've been working on is last summer, uh, my husband and I drove to California and we interviewed a bunch of people about his father because we're writing the account of his father's life, uh, you know, 
maybe just for us, but also, you know, for our kids, because they're not going to remember a lot, especially our two younger kids. Since my father-in-law died in that skiing accident uh, in 2016, and so we're working on this, and I learned how to really interview people, and that's how I processed all the information is I took notes while they were speaking, I listened to them, and then I would reiterate the important points of what I wanted to put inside my story uh, in in further note-taking and also just speaking with them. And we recorded all of those interviews. So we have that collection of information that's going to give our story a lot more depth. And even though we have different perspectives already, because we have my perspective, my husband's perspective, uh, we've interviewed my husband's family, we have their perspectives, and then we have our daughter, our oldest daughter, her perspective on her grandfather. Uh, It was good to go out and get more complicated ideas of who my father-in-law was as a person. And the best way to do that was to listen to other people's stories about him. And so one of the things you can do when you're writing a story and you have a character who really needs to listen uh, to another character so that they can understand what's going on and what that other character's story is, is to have these moments of intense listening where the other character is talking and your main character is either having like uh, inner dialogue or they're jotting down little notes, where your character is either having inner uh, dialogue, where your character is having their uh, inner dialogue where they're thinking things about the person. And if you want to make a reader appreciate your character, it's great to show that they're a good listener. However, it is actually a really important skill as a writer to be able to listen because that's how you build more complicated stories. And one of the ways that you can practice doing this without uh, interviewing your friends and family members is to listen to podcasts because most podcasts will have an interviewing uh, factor to them. This one doesn't. This Expensive Words doesn't have that yet because I'm still trying out how to do this part of podcasting. Uh, But you can listen to people being interviewed, and you can ascertain how the interviewer is interacting with them, and you can pull out the important aspects of their story. And these ideas, uh, if you're listening to a good podcast, will give you... um, These interviews can create a depth of knowledge inside your mind to give you ideas about different things to write about. And if I'm feeling stuck, uh, I'll go for a walk and listen to a podcast. And usually by the time I finish doing that, I, I do not have any more writer's block. I'm ready to go. So that's one quick tip for solving writer's block, uh, which, is not actually, uh, ac- uh, which is not actually a condition per se. It's something that writers get into, but it's not exclusive to writers. It can be any creative person who's feeling stuck. And the best way to get unstuck is to do something, to take a break, uh, and then to do something that you know is going to inspire you creatively, and that will usually get you unstuck. So think about, in a book, what real listening looks like Uh, And also how 
it looks in real life. And then you can understand how to create characters who really listen. And why is that important? Because a lot of books, and I actually hate this, a lot of books, the whole plot centers around the fact that the protagonist doesn't know how to communicate properly, and there's like one sentence that they can say or that needs to be said to them, and the whole plot would fall apart because it's a simple miscommunication between the protagonist and one of the other characters. In my opinion, that's lazy writing. If you can't think of one other plot device, then you need to kind of start over. So instead of just making some kind of information barrier between two characters who actually have conversations with each other, you could bring in another outside force. Uh, you could bring in some type of uh, law enforcement or a rule agency or another character who's scheming. I mean, there are literally hundreds of tropes that don't involve the one sentence miscommunication that you could use. And I just don't have the patience for that kind of story anymore. I want stories that have to do with pretty much anything else because that drives me crazy <laughs> because it's unhealthy and I just don't have room in my life to have a whole novel of unhealthy behavior. Just as a side note, uh, that is why I do not like Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte and a lot of people get mad when I tell them that. But, you know, it's just a book full of miserable people making each other miserable, and they're all super unhealthy, and everyone pretends like these uh, unhealthy behaviors are completely normal. I'm not about that, and uh, I just don't like the book for that reason. You know, of course, it's interesting prose, and all the imagery used is good, but it's just not enough to excuse the unhealthiness of it all. And that's not really an eloquent way of saying that. You know, it's just not my thing. And maybe you like reading books like that, but as someone who used to be really emotionally unhealthy myself, I don't want to go back to that place and I don't want to do it through literature. However, if the character arc is such that the character starts out really emotionally unhealthy because they don't know what emotional health is, and they make even the tiniest amount of progress in that area, I'm in for that kind of story, and I will go on that adventure with that character. But there has to be some kind of change in the character arc to where they're progressing toward health, because I just can't <laughs> anymore. We talked about how it's important to make characters listen, how it's important to listen ourselves. And I want to uh, talk about why it's okay to agree to disagree. If you are willing and open to understanding people who are different or think differently than you, it will pay off in your art and also in your writing. Because we change over time as people, that's why our our writing changes over time, and you can tell that a book that's written at the beginning of a writer's career is not going to be as nuanced and sophisticated as a book that they've written much later on. And we see that, like, for example, uh, if you read any of Judy Bloom's, you know, kid work, like Super Fudge, uh, those books are targeted toward children. And they do have some complicated ideas, but as she kept writing, she just got better and better. In Tiger Eyes, I read that when I was 
12 years old and it totally changed my world. I just didn't understand that I could have those emotions or that people had those emotions because I was growing and developing. And then as an adult, I read In the Unlikely Event by her and it's a masterpiece in my opinion. And you can see that she's growing as a writer throughout all of those books and that's what we hope to do as well. But the only way we can grow in our writing and also in life is to take in other opinions and other information that we don't already have to process it and to grow as a person. That's how we change, by introducing new things. If we only keep watching the same movies, keep reading the same books, keep talking to the same people, we're not going to achieve that depth and that complication that we want in our work. And one of the easiest ways to meet new people is to, uh, I guess at this point, can't join a physical writing group, so to join an online writing group, uh, and also to listen to podcasts, which I'm going to talk about right now. So one of the podcasts that I listen to is The Future of Storytelling, and it's really, for me, I'm always interested in storytelling, so it makes sense that I would gravitate toward a podcast like this, uh, but the, the last episode that I listened to was an interview with Vivian Ming. It's episode 19, and it came out on September 3rd, if you're interested in listening to it yourself. And it's her story of how uh, she went through all these different things, uh, including her own transition and her son's diabetes. It's a really touching story. Uh, but the thing that I took away from it that applies to this episode is that she discusses a study that they did where they found out that there was... a an extended cost for marginalized groups to enter into the same type of environments uh, where non-marginalized people existed. And I thought that was interesting. And the way that she ended up describing it uh, was as a tax on being different. And it's the idea that people have to pay different amounts for the same opportunities depending on who they are. And I was like, whoa. She talked about how it's more difficult for women or minorities or um, people in the LGBTQ community. It was really great to hear her perspective based on data that she discovered that there's a tax on being different because I had always, you know, seen that and felt that. But when she described it that way, it created this uh, deeper awareness and validation inside of me. And if you want to understand that the world is complicated, and that life is not always fair, you need to talk to people who fit under having to pay the tax on being different. Because if your experiences uh, are extremely limited, you won't understand how to create stories where things aren't super straightforward. And life is not that way. And life is not like, okay, if you just do this, this, and this, you're guaranteed this. And that's what Vivian Ming is talking about, the fact that if you are part of one of these marginalized groups, you have to do this, this, and this, plus 10 times more of that. And it's not, it's not the way that we should want our world to operate, and we shouldn't be comfortable with that. And you can't write complicated, deep characters without understanding that the tax on being different exists. Your characters are going to be one-dimensional. And so I encourage you, go talk to someone who you haven't, who you know, but you've just taken their existence for granted 
Uh, for example, one of the things I keep encouraging all my white friends and family members to do is talk to someone that they actually care about, about this issue of race inequality. It's set up in our government. Uh, it's been that way for years. There's still significant inequality going on. And uh, I keep talking to white people who say, oh, well, I have a black friend. And I want to know, have you talked to your black friend about the things that they've gone through? Because when I started talking to my black friends about this issue, I was shocked in a, and not in a good way. Because I was taught growing up that racism is over and that everyone is equal and that it's something that's in the past. And then when I started talking to, you know, my friends and these people who I really care about, I came to understand that it's not in the past. It still happens every day. And it's a lot bigger of a struggle. And it's much more noticeable than I was ever led to believe. And because of that, it's changed my view on a lot of things. And it's changed the direction of my personal education, where I'm reading more about this topic so I can actually understand better what's going on uh, and re-educate myself on this issue. If you're one of the people that thinks that all of these books that are coming out that are seeking better representation are annoying, if you have the context of how life is for people in these marginalized groups, I do not believe that you would feel that way. And there's nothing bad that can come from trying to understand someone who has a different perspective than you do. It doesn't mean that you're going to agree with them. You know, if I'm talking to someone who believes in flat earth, I do kind of want to understand where they're coming from. And I, I do understand now because I've learned about it. I don't think that I'll be able to change their minds that the earth is round because they want to believe that the earth is flat. But it's still worth it to listen to people and how they got into these groups and how it's affected their lives. Uh, so there's a large spectrum of types of things we can learn just by having conversations with others. And that's why I believe that listening is an underrated superpower for writers. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing. Happy writing.